question for our text this morning. The key verses are going to be 11, 12, and 13, but we'll look at most of the of the chapter to, today, at least a good portion of it. And I'd like to speak with you this morning about the, on the topic of assurance and being assured of your faith in Christ and knowing, as as the old preachers have said years gone by, knowing that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you are saved. And it's a topic that's uh, very near and dear to my heart, and I like to speak on it from time to time. And I understood that we were in, uh, Aaron brought us to 1 John last week. We've been looking at really these key passages about really the essence of the true Christian life. So really wanted to look at this. So look at verse 11 with me, 1 John chapter 5, and look at verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. <laughs> wow. Let me just stop for a minute and think about that. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. In a world just that the inescapable reality of death rears its ugly head over and over again. What a blessed assurance in this statement. The record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God Hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, what is it? Ye may know, that ye may know, be assured, have assurance that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we have this time today to look at the Scriptures. Lord, I need your help to preach and communicate clearly this morning. And we as your people, Lord, we need to first... Lord, be disciplined to, to give the word our full attention, to give you the honor that you deserve. But then, Lord, we need the, the moving of the Holy Spirit among us. Lord, I recognize this morning that, that I am unworthy and incapable of giving the Scriptures their due honor. But we know that you promised that when your word goes forth, that Holy Spirit, you would open hearts, and you would open eyes and open ears. So I'm just asking you to do that this morning. Lord, I'm, just, I'm asking that if there's anyone here that does not have this assurance, if there's anyone listening to this message that does not have the assurance that, that they are saved, that they are born again, that they have eternal life, Lord, I pray that this plain teaching from your word today, I pray that it would give them that assurance. 
Lord, I pray that no one would leave here today uncertain or worried or unsure, but that we would have the, the assurance that you promised us. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. It said in, in verse number 13 that the point, the purpose of the writing, in case you wondered, why are we looking at these scriptures today? Why are we looking at this passage? Is The purpose of the writing is that you and I would know, that we would be sure, that we would be certain that we have eternal life. And do you know what I have discovered over the course of my Christian experience, which has been a little over 30 years. I came to Christ as a very young child, about five years old, when I first understood the gospel and believed the gospel. What I have discovered in my own life and in the life of many, many, and I mean many Christians, is that even believers, people that fill churches, that go through times where they do, they wonder, am I truly saved? Am I truly a child of God? In fact, it was probably 15 years ago. About 15 years ago, we used to have these large youth conferences, and we'd bring in uh, from over a dozen churches, and we'd have a big youth meeting here. And one particular year, I asked the speaker, our friend Chris Chavez, I asked him to speak about this topic of assurance, just knowing that, that your salvation is settled. I asked him to speak about that. And he gave a very biblical and compelling message. And at the end of the message, we had over 100 teenagers here and a lot of youth workers. Instead of an invitation, I asked everybody to have their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And I'll never forget this moment. I said, if, if you're in this room... And you, if there's ever been a time in your life where you have said, boy, I'm just not sure if I'm really saved, I said, would you raise your hand? And I looked across the room, and I, I don't exaggerate, almost, ev almost every single teenager raised their hand. Almost every single one of them. And then I asked them to, if they would be willing to leave their hands up and I asked all the youth pastors and the pastors that were there to open their eyes and look across the room. And you heard audible noise from the pastors and the youth pastors as they, as they grasped the pervasiveness of the problem. And it was near and dear to my heart because I'll share a little bit of my personal testimony with you as the message goes on. But this was something that I struggled with over and over and over again. And I just want to share with you this morning that you do not have to doubt if you are saved. You do not have to wonder. You do not have to, but, but would you do this? Has anybody, would you be willing this morning, if you, and my hand is the first up, if you had a, have had one or more times in your life where you've struggled with knowing for sure, would you slip up your hand? I mean, good and high for everybody to see if you're, okay. I mean, just look around the room. It, it, I, thank you, I thank you for your transparency and willingness to do this. And I, I it, it, it breaks my heart because there is nothing that will discourage you more. And I've heard it said that the devil has two, two jobs. He's got two goals in life. 
to convince people that are to convince people who are lost that they're okay, they don't need to be saved. And then to convince people that are saved that they couldn't truly ever really be saved. Because if he can if he can convince us, listen, and I remember as a teenager, and this we've got teenagers in the room, I remember as a young person, just moments where I felt like, yes, God wants to do something with my life. I can be a, I can live a Christian life, I can do something. And then it was almost like these these doubts would come into my mind and my feet would be knocked right out from under me. Where I'd be like, yeah, but how do you know if you're even really saved? Now, there's a lot of reasons that this happens. Sometimes, and your reason might be different than my reason, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who actually was, I, I, when I, in my travels, I actually got to visit my my alma mater in Pensacola, Florida, which was kind of cool. And I hadn't been there in 10 years. And I ran into a teacher there who's actually one of my roommates. And he actually asked me about this on the trip because when I was in college struggling with this, he actually was one of the people that helped me more than anyone at all. And maybe I'll share a bit more about that story. But he says that he, he works a lot with his students to try to teach them this. But there's a lot of reasons why people doubt their salvation. I'll give you a couple, and maybe you could, you could, if we went around the room, you could give some reasons. But one of the reasons people doubt their salvation is because they just don't feel connected to God. How many of you ever, maybe that was the reason for you, right? You're just like, well, I, I know these things, but I just don't feel connected to God. And so they, they doubt their salvation. Another one, another primary reason that, I, that people doubt if, if they belong to Christ truly is because they really fell into sin. And they said, boy, if I were a true Christian, if I were a true Christian, I would never, that, would ne- that thought never would have come in my mind. That, that I never would have gone there, I never would have done that. And because they allow some sin in their life, they begin to doubt if they truly are a Christian. Anybody, that's your testimony? You've struggled with that? The third reason, this was the one for me, was struggling to remember some of the events of my conversion. I think that's that's very common with very small children. From the, I don't, I I can't remember because I was brought up in church and I was given the the scriptures. Trust me, there was a time in my life when I was lost. Everyone is born in this world lost. But the very first times I was ever presented with the gospel from Sunday school teachers, I wanted to believe, accepted Christ. And you know what? Those memories are a little bit hazy. They're a little bit hazy. So you know what would happen? An evangelist would come in. They would say, if you can't remember the time in your life, whenever there was the, the color of the carpet or, the, or where you were at that moment, and if you can't remember the details, then I'd wonder, are, are you truly saved? And my seven-year-old self would be sitting there in the pew, <gasps> And I'd go home again, and, and, and my parents would try to help counsel me with it a little bit, but I would just, I would say, Lord, if I didn't mean it the last time, well, I, I, I truly, be, you know what I'm saying? I, and I prayed that sinner's prayer at least a half a dozen times over the course of my life. Anybody else had an experience kind of like that? But that's not the same for everyone. So, so for me, it wasn't a sin thing or... It, it, it wasn't the feeling, but it was just based on the on my memory and that those abilities. So, so there's different reasons, but it's pervasive among Christians. Just this anxiety, and that's how I would describe it: that 
that these moments come up with this, this anxiety, like I believe the gospel is true, but I'm worried that I may have missed it. Well, let's all just take a deep breath spiritually and realize that that is not God's plan for us. And what I want to show you this morning is what the Scriptures clearly say. These things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. That you can be sure, that you can be certain that if you died today, that you'd be in the presence of the Lord. I really just want to take two themes this this morning talk about this. First of all, in verses 1 through 5, I want to look at the nature of the new birth. And then in verses 9 through 13, I want us to look at the basis of our assurance. Okay? So the nature of the new birth and then the basis of our assurance. So look look with me in verse uh, in 1 John 5 and let's look at the first five verses. The Bible says this. Now there's some key words. If you like to... Uh, I've got some stuff on your notes, but really... When you read it on the pages of the scripture, like God just speaks. And so if you take notes or you underline your Bible, there's some really key, key words in here. So I'd like you to look at verse 1. Whosoever believeth. That would be a key word. If you could, if you could mark this and, and underline, I, that's going to be a key word. Whosoever believeth. That Jesus Christ is born of God. I'm sorry, that Jesus is the Christ. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. More, We'll come back to that. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. I want you to notice something. And this, I'll give you just a little bit of Greek here. The Greek word that is translated believe is the very same Greek word that is often translated faith. So not always, but but very often when you in your English Bible read the word believe and you read the word faith, if you were a new if you lived in the time of the New Testament, you would be saying the same word. Okay? That was important for me to understand that. To have faith is to believe. And to believe equals having faith. So faith is taking more the noun form and believing is taking more the verb form here. When we believe, we are saying, I have faith. So whosoever, in verse 1, has faith that Jesus Christ is born of God, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And then verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth. Also in verse number 4, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our believing, even our faith. So, this passage teaches us about being born again. And that is the, that's what I, why I said there is a time. Salvation isn't a process. There is a moment in time where a person is born again. There's a moment in time where you did not understand that you were a sinner. You didn't understand that you needed a Christ, 
a Messiah, a Savior. You didn't realize that, or, or you had rejected that, either or. But there was a moment of time where you understood your need of the gospel and you believed that Jesus was your Savior. Well, when that happens, the new birth takes place. And so that's the first sub-point here. The new birth comes through believing. Now, I want you to see that this is a theme. So, in other words, if I said to you, what do you have to do to be saved? What do you have to do to be saved? Shockingly, even in Baptist or broader evangelical churches, when you ask that simple question, what does a person have to do to be saved? Or if I say this, is it enough to believe in Jesus to be saved? Could you say that a little louder, please? Yes. 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 But you know, a lot of Christians struggle with that. And they'll say, well, I don't know. Is it enough to believe? And I think the confusion comes from what does it mean to believe? I think we, and, and if we don't understand, we should. To believe in Jesus is not simply is not simply to believe about him, right? You can believe about someone. I can believe, I believe about George Washington, right? I believe a lot of things about Abraham Lincoln or, or some other historical figure. I can believe about, but it's a whole different thing when you believe in. Because that's the moment trust is transferred. Dependency is settled. So true biblical belief is when my faith is placed in him. And somebody say, well, what about repentance? Don't you have to repent to be saved? Well, of course, but you also have to hear to be saved, right? You have to hear the gospel. You have to be, all of those things prepare you for the one requirement, and that is that you would what? Believe. Everything else prepares the heart. The working of the Holy Spirit, the moving of repentance in the, in, in the life, the hearing of the word of God puts you in a place where you are ready to believe in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is what brings about the new birth. You say, well, well is, is, that, is it really that simple? Yes, it's that simple. In fact, it's, it's, you start to study, read the book of John especially. It's everywhere in the book of John. Read the Apostle Paul. Let me give you just a few highlights. Would it be okay if I did that? Thank you. Here we go. John, Jesus, quoted in John 3, verse 15, speaking to Nicodemus. Whosoever, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He's saying Nicodemus. And then the next verse you know, John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then later in the chapter, John the Baptist is quoted. John the Baptist in John 3.36. He that believeth on the Son hath what? Everlasting life. John 3.36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So Jesus, John the Baptist, let's look at John the Apostle in John 20 and verse 31. You get to the very end of the book of John, and you say, John, why did you write this book? He says, well, let me tell you. 
but these are written that ye might say it, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Paul the Apostle. The Holy Spirit spoke the same message through Paul. Acts 16.31. The story is this. Paul and Silas are in the jail. Now, if you went to Sunday school, you know you, you, you know what happened in that jail. What came? What came along? An earthquake came along. And, the, and Paul and Silas were locked up for preaching the gospel, and an earthquake comes along, and the walls come out. The, the, I mean, the, the walls break down, and the doors are open, the prisoners are ready to escape, and, uh, but Paul, they actually wait. The, the prison guard comes out, and he's a Roman centurion prison guard, and he's like, ah! Now, he's about to kill himself because he thinks, my, it's over, I'm going to be executed, all my prisoners have escaped. Paul and Silas are like, hey, don't hurt yourself, man, we're all still here, it's going to be okay. He drops his sword, and in that moment, that man looks at those preachers, and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul looks at him, and Silas looks at him, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. It's all you've got to do, Mr. Prison Guard. It's all your family has to do, sir, is just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, that's a story, but let's look at some in the epistles. I could have shown you Romans 4, 4, but to him that worketh not, but believeth, on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's a great passage. I would encourage you to check out Romans 4.4. 4. It's all about believing, believing. But now, but a, a passage that many of you probably have memorized, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Remember, I, that little lesson that I gave at the beginning about the Greek, I'm going to put it to, to use here. For by grace are you saved through believing. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hmm. You know what's interesting? You'll never find anywhere in the New Testament, not one place, where someone leads someone in a prayer to be saved. Never happens. Anywhere. Not one place. In fact, I could think of, a, I'll give you a good example. The, um, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, we'd study this, if you read the book of Acts, Philip the evangelist meets the Ethiopian eunuch. They're riding in the chariot. They're studying the book of, they're studying the book of Isaiah. And the, the guy's like, who is this? And Philip says, do you know who, who this is talking about? I have no clue. Someone needs to help me. And Philip says, well, this is, this is a prophecy about Jesus. And and this is who Jesus is. And that Ethiopian eunuch is riding along, and he's like, now I get it. He's like, hey, there's some water. How about I get baptized? And Philip wants to make sure he's got it. So Philip says, well, let me lead you in a prayer. One, two, three, repeat after me. It's not what he says. What does Philip say? You might know. He says, well, if you believe, then you can be baptized. And he looked at Philip, and he said, I believe. I believe. 
Can I ask you a question today? I'm not asking you about what happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't care about that right now. Can I ask you a question right now? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that he is the only hope of your salvation? Is your heart, does your heart, I remember struggling with this as a young person, as a young adult, really. I'm in school for Bible college. I'm supposed to be like, you know, a preacher boy, whatever. You know, I'm giving, doing, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I'm saved. And I remember finally hearing that I would come to these passages and I'd be struggling with all this doubt and stuff. And, and then I'd read a passage like this and I would just like eat this up. And something in my spirit was just like, yes, I believe. I believe. And is that enough? And I just had to struggle with the scriptures to realize, yes. That is enough. That is the nature of the new birth. It is to believe that Jesus is not just the Savior of the world, but that Jesus is my Savior. So listen, i got to ask you this. Right now, at this moment, do you is all of your hope and all of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? You'd say, yes, it is. Well, then you just confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you just believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. It's by faith in Christ and what he did. It's faith alone. It was Martin Luther, the, the famous reformer. He was a, he was, this is in the 1500s. He's a monk. He's dedicated his life. He's dedicated his life to the service of God and the church. He's te- and, and he just cannot. I mean, you you. You read the books and the accounts. Martin, poor Martin Luther, just he's dedicated his whole life to be a good religious person. I mean, do all the religious things that the church told him to do. And he just couldn't escape the fact that, but I'm a sinner. And he could not, he could not escape the fact that he was guilty, that he was condemned. And he would go to the, to the I don't know what you call them, but like the abbot of the, of the monastery, whatever you, you call them. And he'd, he'd speak to this friar and that abbot and this whatever and, and, and he's like, and they're like, you know, they're saying, you know what? Let's do this. Let's give Martin the job. Let's give Brother Martin the job of teaching the Bible. Novel idea in that church in that day, if you know anything about it. But let's give him the job of teaching the Bible because that will take his mind off of all these worries. So for the first time, this Middle Ages Roman Catholic monk begins to read the book of Romans and teach the book of Romans. And he came to a passage, and some of you know what the passage was, but he came to a passage that said, the just, and that's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a just person, a righteous person. He was trying so hard. And he came to the verse that said, the just shall live by by faith. By believing. In those moments, Martin Luther realized for the first time in his life that his salvation was not up to him, but it was up to God. It was faith in what Christ had done for him. The new birth, the new birth is entirely by believing. It comes through believing. Now, notice there's some things, though, but so then where does the trouble come from? Where does the trouble come from? Let's read on a little bit. Let's read on a little bit. 
In verse number two, we saw, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Okay, this is interesting. So this doesn't mean that we just don't do anything. Well, we believe. No, like this, this, well, okay, I'm saved. I love God and now I'm going to love God's people, right? So it does bring a transformation in my life. So it brings this, the new birth brings love. It brings obedience. We love God. We keep his commandments. Verse three, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And then it says that the new birth also makes me an overcomer. Now I think this is these two, these middle sections I think is where people start to struggle a little bit. Like, yeah, but, but I don't really, I mean, I know it's, but then it says that if you are born of God, you're going to love people and I don't always love people. Right? How many are you there with me? Anybody else there with me? Okay. And then it says in verse number, and then it says in verse number, um, what is it? Uh, I lost my place. Verse number four, that I'm going to overcome the world. And I don't always feel like I'm overcoming the world. Do you? No. Of course not. So now it's like, great, I just read this wonderful passage to encourage me, but now you're just bringing the doubt back in. Because it says if I'm, if I'm saved, then I'm this, right? You with me? Let's see what happens next. Oh, wait a minute. Let's define this overcoming. Let's define this victory. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our what? Faith. And then in verse number five, who is he that overcometh the world? The most obedient Christian that the world has ever seen? Is that what it says? Who are the overcomers? The overcomers are the believers. The believers are the overcomers. Now listen, the, the, the point is this. You're going to do battle in this world. The wor- world is going to get you down. You're not, always, you're not always going to feel like an overcomer. But by definition, by identity, by the new birth, you have no choice about it now. Because of who you are in Christ, because you believe, you are by default a what? You're an overcomer. We're overcomers. Some of Listen, some are going to come through this thing a little more unscathed than others. But if you believe in Christ, you're coming through on the other side. You're coming out on the other end because you are an overcomer. It was Dr. John MacArthur who said this, if you could lose your salvation, you would. If you could lose your salvation, you would. It'd already be gone by now. But it's not up to you. We are kept, the scriptures say we are kept by the power of God through faith. Faith, the new birth makes me an overcomer, and it's faith, not performance, that guarantees my standing. Paul would write, Paul would write to the to the um, Galatians. And Paul would say to the Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, will you now be made perfect in the flesh? Did you begin your Christianity in faith and think you were going to finish it in your own strength and power? He says, that's, that's not how it works. You are saved by faith, you live by faith, and you will die by faith. Because it's not about the quality of my faith, It's about the quality of the one that I put my faith in. 
faith guarantees my standing. I've seen a you know, great illustration. We went to, um, on our vacation, we went to a little, this little theme park. Really, really fun place. It wasn't like a Disney World kind of place. It was like this little condensed theme park. We had a lot of fun. I do not like getting on rides. You've got to have a lot of faith to get on those rides, right? And you're like, oh, you don't have to have that much faith. I mean, just look at the, it's like, all right. So my son, Nehemiah, okay, he just runs on those things. It makes me so nervous. I mean, he meets the height, height requirement. That kid is so skinny and scrawny. Like, I'm like, you know, just looking at those harnesses, tightening those, those things down, you know, taking a look at it. But he just gets on and he's good to go. I really hate the ones. We were on this ride where it didn't look that scary from the ground, you know? And you're like, you're like, Ethan, you're a real wimp. I'm, okay, I'm just being honest here. So this thing isn't going that fast, but it's like spinning you around, and it's like this train track that just descends, you know? It's just working its way down. But it, like, brings you to the edge in your little container, and, like, the edge is here, and there's no guardrail. It's just kind of like, you know, you're just, like, hanging out over here. I hate those. I hate them. It's like, oh. And then you get in the ones, they strap you in, and you know, the ones where they strap you in, and I like the ones that put the, I like the ones that put the harness around your shoulders. You know what I'm talking about? Click, 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 snap, you know, right there. Buckle, right? And then it's got handles. It's got handles, okay? And I am hanging on to that thing. Like, hanging on for dear life. Now, Aaron, apparently, he's, he says he's got a lot more guts than me. I hear him back there, just talking it up. So it doesn't matter. If me and Aaron both walk up to that, it, it, me and Aaron both walk up to that thing right there, right? We both get on the ride. Now, I am just like hanging on the whole time. You know, and I'm not this bad. I'm exaggerating. But if you, you've seen those people, right? They're hanging on. Their eyes are closed. If you don't see it, it doesn't happen, you know, kind of thing. And then Aaron's over here, and he's just like, you know, deficient of brain cells. Woo-hoo! You know, just like holding the hand, just no fear at all, right? Which of us had had more faith in that ride? Aaron clearly did. But what brought us through that? What brought what 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 got us off the ride? And I'm walking off like this, and Aaron's running off. The result is the same, right? Because it, So he had more faith than me, but I had just enough faith to do what? Just enough faith to get on board. Now, I might not have been the great hero of the faith. People aren't going to write stories about my courage and, and all that. I hope to get there, right? But it didn't matter. Because it was all in the mechanism and the safety and the ability of that, those engineers that put that together. That's what got got us through. It's not about the amount of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. It's about where the faith is placed. So, that brings us to the last part, the basis of our assurance. And I've already said most of this, so we're really just going to use this as a bit of a conclusion this morning. So, in verse number 9, Verses six through through eight are really really cool, but we, I don't have it's a it's like a whole other little section I don't have time to talk about. So maybe we'll save that for some other time. But look at verse number nine. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is what greater. 
So in other words, the basis of my assurance is not what a pastor says, it's not what a preacher says, it's not what a church says, it's not what my mom or dad says, it's not what my grandma says. Oh, sure, you're saved because I remember you did this or that. That has nothing to do with it. My assurance is based on what God says. On what God says. So I, I, I would say this, if you've never truly believed on Christ, you have no reason for assurance. But if you're assur- if our, the Bible says it's not the witness of men, it's the witness of God. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The basis of our assurance is God's word, not man's. It's the presence of faith, not some past experience. But did you notice here, my assurance is based on the security that I have in Jesus. It's based on Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. It's not based on how I feel or what I remember. It's based on, am I believing Jesus? That's the first question. And then the second question, is Jesus strong enough to keep me? What do you think the answer to that is? Oh, yes, but of course. As I gave you on your handout, John 20, verse 31. Jesus says this, but ye believe not. There's this word again. It just keeps making its way in. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall what? Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you could lose your salvation, you would. But Jesus, it's impossible for him to let you go. And nobody can remove you. Not another person, not yourself. You can be sure this morning, based not on you, but based on faith in the finished work of Christ. Can I leave you with the, the best answer of assurance? I, I just love this. Jesus is with his disciples. They're having a pretty intense conversation. And Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And the guys are looking at Jesus, and they say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Other people think you're Elijah. Maybe, one of the, maybe you're one of the prophets that has come back from the dead. Jesus listens, and then he looks at them, and he asks the most important question of all. But who do you, who do you say that I am? If you struggled with assurance, with knowing for sure, I just want to ask you this morning, 
Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter looks up. I think he looks right in Jesus' eyes. It says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because I believe in who you are, Jesus. That, if Peter was not converted up until that moment, he is converted at that moment right there. People like to, you know, when is it that he truly, when did the disciples come to true faith in Christ? It's actually hard to identify, but I think for Peter, it's right here. It's at least right here. But I would say the same thing to you. If you're uncertain at all this morning, assurance comes when you simply bow your heart to Christ and you say, Jesus, right now, I do believe that you are my Savior. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And of course, with that, all of the implications, obviously, it's that he di- that we understand it's got to be the right, the true Jesus. It's not just the name Jesus, but who Jesus was, the, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead, God himself, as our sacrifice. But if you'll believe in him and in, in his death and his, his resurrection, if that's the belief of your heart, you can be sure when you leave here that you're saved, that you're a child of God. So two questions. First of all, have you ever believed on Christ? Have you believed on Jesus? Have you put your full trust and faith in who he is and what he did for you? Or were you trusting a prayer you prayed? Or were you trusting a baptism or a religious experience that you had? That's not believing in Jesus. You can't have any assurance if you're trusting in a church or a religion. So you need to, if you're unsure of that, you need to settle that today, that your trust is in Jesus alone. But if you'd say, but the other group is, hey, have you trusted Jesus? You say, yes. Then don't struggle with your assurance anymore. It's based on him, not you. Bow our heads, close our eyes. We'll have some prayer. Time of invitation right now. Right now, as we conclude the service and we go to prayer, I want to invite you, if you have never received Jesus before, if you've never believed on Jesus, you say, what do I do, Ethan? Are you going to lead me in a prayer? I usually do, and there's nothing wrong with leading in a prayer, but what you re- but it's the heart of it is this. You just tell the Lord Jesus right now, say, Jesus, yes, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Yes, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. And yes, Jesus, I trust in nothing else than you. That is faith in Christ. Would you do that right now? If you're in the room or you're at home, would you just believe on Jesus right now? Tell him, say, yes, Jesus, I do believe. I believe. I believe. And Christians that maybe have struggled with assurance, would you right now pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you that my salvation is not up to me, but it's up to you. Lord, we love you. Help us to sing with joyful hearts, full of assurance and grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand together.